0: Alrighty then, hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. Tim, Uh, two days till October. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's getting cold out now. I'm seeing a lot of pumpkins around, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, pumpkins. pumpkin... pumpkin season pie, pumpkin spice season uh pumpkin pu- it's it's a it's a it's an all-around pumpkin parade as it were
1: and yeah, pumpkin everywhere pumpkin in your coffee pumpkin in your beer <laughs> it's everywhere now it just it went from no pumpkin to 100 pumpkin just like in a week
0: that's right that's right yeah. uh i guess you can turn a pumpkin into like a communal bong as well it's a little big for like having <laughs> your own bong but it, you know you could probably turn a pumpkin into a hookah i'm just thinking about like expansion opportunities um but i digress i'm not in the drug business i'm in the radio business no, uh yeah. and it's a different cr- show <laughs> it's a different show that's you're right that's, that's a different that's show. the late night show Yeah, that's definitely not the Wednesday afternoon show. Uh, And credits, is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be. Good luck to you, Leo Grande, a new sex comedy from Amazon Prime. Well, it's not from Amazon Prime, but you can definitely stream it now on Amazon Prime. Uh, You can also rent it on the VOD platforms. But if you have Prime, just go there and... uh, get it for free it's with your prime membership for the first half of the show though we are going to uh talk about uh something tangentially connected to good luck to you leo grande which is uh movies that are predominantly set in one place which uh th- there is a lot of um a lot of movies uh, that are set in one place, some of them very popular. Um, one would think that in the expansive world of film, where you, especially nowadays where you can go anywhere and shoot anywhere and be anywhere, um, one setting wouldn't be that attractive. But uh, on the other hand, uh, if you are looking to save money uh, or, you know, you're t- telling a very tight sort of character-oriented tale, uh, one one setting is... Uh, very attractive indeed. And I do want to give full credit to Tim Phillips for coming up with this idea as well. Oh, thanks, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) My initial idea was like best Emma Thompson movies, but that was a daunting task. Um, And I didn't want to like go into like well, she was that wacky professor in Harry Potter that uh, I can't the She was like the prognostication professor. I know that wasn't her real title, but yeah. She's uh, also very sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, not great sexy. role. No, <laughs> it's certainly not a sexy role. It's certainly not a, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's sort of a, a key role in the books, but I mean, they could have trimmed it out in the movies, and I don't think anyone would have been the wiser.
1: Yeah, uh, same for me with that topic. I was going to pick some some weird ones it might have been interesting now that i I think of it but (laughs) they weren't her best performances because i remember that movie she did the tall guy Mm. like that's way back that's one of her first movies and it's just this odd little comedy that's really good and i like dead again Mm -hmm. but are those her best like performances maybe not
0: well dead again is interesting because it is like it was with her husband at the time that's all about how her husband is a killer trying to kill her. And, uh, you know, the, there's some interesting psychological layers there. It's like, I will play the killer. And my wife will play the victim. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> the divorce papers were ready right after the screenplay. I think.
0: Oh yeah. my goodness. They'd have to be, I don't, uh, i'm not a gossip peddler by any stretch but i'm not sure that was a great marriage from the get but anyway um so we're gonna instead focus on movies in one setting so tim why don't you kick us off with your first uh, choice for a movie in one setting yeah thanks adam so for one
1: setting i was i, I looked online i googled it just wanted to get some ideas mm-hmm. and a movie that came up a lot and actually the more i thought of it it's has actually multiple settings. (laughs) So when we say mainly one setting, I think we're stretching it a bit, maybe just going on that word mainly Mm -hmm. or predominantly. Um, Mm -hmm. But that movie is Reservoir Dogs Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: by Quentin Tarantino. So harkens back to what you said there about, you know, having small budgets. It was his first movie in 1992. Um, And he had, He's really great. Great networker, as everyone knows, with Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and how well he talks. So he was able to get the script through different channels to Harvey Keitel. So they did have some financing, but still, it's a pretty low budget. And the one location is the warehouse where they rendezvous after the failed jewelry heist. Mm-hmm. Um, And, but I thought of all the other locations, there's so many other great locations in there, Um, or just the little flashback scenes to the robbery gone wrong, where they're on the street and there's gunfire and police officers. And unfortunately, civilians are getting shot. Um, There's a flashback to when uh, the undercover cop is learning, uh, undercover cops uh, working on his act to infiltrate the gang. So there's a lot of, and the breakfast scene at the beginning too, um, iconic breakfast scene where they're arguing over tipping and the merits of tipping. <laughs> that's right. And Mr. Brown played by Tarantino, who doesn't say a lot in the movie, but that he says a lot in that first scene, a monologue about like a virgin by Madonna.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so there's all those scenes, but then yeah, it does. I suppose predominantly take place in the, in the warehouse and that's, a really claustrophobic setting um, because that's where Mister uh, Mister White takes Mister Orange when he's been badly shot. Mister White, played by Harvey Keitel. Mister Orange, by Tim Roth, takes him back to the uh, to the rendezvous at the warehouse, and they meet Mister Pink, played by Steve Buscemi, who awesome actor. Probably one of his best performances though is in Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. um, playing. Playing the, um, the gangster who can kind of see all the angles, not blinded by emotion, says this guy's dying, but we can't take him to a hospital because the police will get involved. And there's just these great intense arguments between Mr. Pink and Mr. White over what to do with Mr. Orange um, and Steve Buscemi, Harvey Keitel, just excellent in those scenes. And then, of course, there's the torture scene that takes place when Mr. Orange um, brings back a police officer who he's kidnapped and uh, there's a really intense torture scene, which in 1992 was v- very intense and overwhelming to watch. Mm-hmm. I think now, cause we're familiar with that scene and maybe it's probably a little easier to digest, but at the <laughs> time it was really shocking. I remember, I think I like most people, I think I saw this after Pulp Fiction, maybe, maybe I saw it before, but it was, it'd been out for a year or two when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like early nineties when I first saw it. And I remember just being really shocked by that scene. Um, it's up there with, with, you know, some disturbing scenes, like I think of like a clockwork orange and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it works. And then at the end of the day, you get through it and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's, and it's, you know the use of the music in the film too like even during that scene stuck in the middle with you which you hear all the time now in classic radio i don't think before this movie it was really considered a top hit from the 70s Um, but because of this movie uh so much great 70s music quentin tarantino introduced us to um stephen wright the deadpan comedian as the radio host is just (laughs) incredible too for uh k billy's super sounds of the 70s Mm uh yeah it's uh it's uh it's really one of the one of the best movies actually one of the best movies i've ever seen at the same time the one setting it's a bit of a stretch because i think so many of those other flashbacks add a lot of color to the movie Mm -hmm. um but the warehouse definitely you feel you feel they're trapped you know the police are going to come anytime you wonder what's going to happen when the joe the gangster played by gene tierney um who's just really intense mm-hmm. people might remember him as elaine's dad on seinfeld episode um where they <laughs> they all have to go to dinner with this crazy lunatic and he's that in reservoir dogs too so you see that you know the walls are probably closing in on them in this um, in this warehouse. So it's uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it at this point, but anybody who hasn't seen it, highly recommend it. Just a really exciting movie. The dialogue is so sharp, and you know, even though they're in this one setting and arguing for you know minutes at a time over what to do with Mr. Orange or what to do with the police officer. Or what Mm -hmm. happened at the jewelry heist where the police tipped off to it. Mm -hmm. I know they're arguing about all this. Very much like a stage play. It is, the dialogue really carries it. And it's so intense that you're riveted the whole time. So Mm -hmm. I would definitely recommend Reservoir Dogs for anyone who hasn't seen it or see it again. Um, I watched Pulp Fiction the other day and it says it's going to be leaving Netflix soon. So I don't know if Reservoir Dogs is still on there or if it's going to be leaving soon, but It's definitely give it a watch. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it's for
0: the third or fourth time, it's a great movie. It'll, it'll probably land somewhere else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't see them putting it back in the vault. Um, Yeah. yeah, uh, Reservoir Dogs is a good one. Of course, Tarantino would also do um, a different movie all in one setting several years later, hateful eight. Um, That almost made my list. Um, But The first one I'm picking is kind of the contemporary to Reservoir Dogs, um, Sundance hit, uh, emerging filmmaker of the early 90s. It is Clerks, the Kevin Smith movie about working uh, a whole day at the convenience store um, in his New Jersey town. Of course, uh, budget wise, uh, he he filmed, I mean, budget limitations are all over this movie from. The fact that the shutters won't open, which is a way of, like, because they were filming it overnight. So if you're, if you're <laughs> since most of the movie takes place during the day and um, you can't have the shutters open and it's night outside and you're pretending like it's day. So that was pretty clever. It also has this grainy black and white quality. So it kind of looks like convenience for footage, but it also hides the, the the technical inadequacies of Smith and his crew. <laughs> 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 um i mean kevin smith also worked in this very convenience store he was a clerk there and um so he knew the layout he had access um and then like the one kind of the one time they venture outside of the convenience store is when they go to like the memorial service for a friend and you never actually go inside the memorial service i think there might be a deleted scene um like an animated scene from like clerks the animated series that shows like what went on at the memorial service but it's like it, it there's a scene where it shows dante and randall going into the memorial service and like split second later they it, it shows them leaving the service essentially being chased out of the service you kind of have no idea why but it's the one time it, they sort of venture beyond the convenience store property and of course it's like fraught with quarter cutting um because either smith like the idea of this gag where they go into the the memorial service and they get chased out and they have no idea what happens or because what he had was unfilmable or in bad taste or because he couldn't a- get access to like an actual mortuary to like film something i don't know but it is um, it is kind of funny that um there's one adventure outside that you never really get access to, but you know, you get locked in this store. Essentially you meet all the characters, um, all the different shoppers who come in all their like little quirks and eccentricities and Uh, from the 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 gum rep who like starts up a riot against smoking in the middle of the store to the guidance counselor who has to find the perfect carton of eggs if you've worked in a you know a clerk's job or like um you know service retail you like perhaps not these like exact examples but um you definitely recognize the people so yeah the convenience store too like every convenience store is different but they're kind of all the same so it, there's this wonderful sense of place uh, in it so it's, it's really kind of the perfect environment where you, like anything can happen and uh yeah it works uh it's 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 great to spend a day at the quick stop even if you're not supposed to be there that day <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome put that on the poster eh, for the re-release but uh...
0: well I was just thinking that it's like it's it's perfect timing too because Clerks 3 is um, now out and some kind of limited release because Kevin Smith is also touring with it but um, yeah so it, I mean it's it's never not a good time to revisit Clerks but it's, it's a good time to it's definitely a good time to revisit Clerks now
1: yeah and it's got that that whole grainy black and white vibe to it Mm -hmm. that's that's really interesting right before before he had any budget right so yeah
0: yeah he sold he sold his combo collection and maxed out his credit cards to make clerks and uh sometimes the bet pays off so all right let's get to your number two
1: my number two is my dinner with andre Uh, ah yes 1981 directed by uh one of the top french directors he's sort of part of the new wave movement um but he kind of went beyond it too. louis mal Mm -hmm. um and it stars andre gregory and wallace sean and they're playing themselves but fictionalized versions of themselves having dinner at this sort of posh manhattan restaurant and they're having Mm -hmm. an in-depth intellectual conversation a lot of talk about theater experimental theater Mm -hmm. and really going into like the nature of life and you think just two, two people having a conversation, like how long is that going to be? Maybe that'd be a short movie, but can they do it for a feature <laughs> length? And they can, cause you're really, you're really engaged with them um, because they are so passionate, passionate about what they're talking about. Um, and there's both intellectuals. So you get deep into these, these conversations. Uh, I actually read the screenplay once too. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read the screenplay. I wonder if it holds up or is it, you know, Wallace Shawn, he's a great, he's a great actor, right? And He's a great character actor. Is, is it more of his delivery or is it what's written? And the screenplay was enthralling too, just going through it. Um, you're, you're really engaged with, with what they're talking about and their ideas on life and theater. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really a really fun movie to watch if you're familiar with Wallace Shawn because a lot of people are familiar with him as yeah you, know, you know the inconceivable guy in <laughs> the princess bride right mm-hmm. or playing in deep space nine or you know being stewie's arch nemesis mm-hmm. bertram in uh, family <laughs> guy right that's right that's right <laughs> so he's always playing with his voice because he's got such an unusual voice right um but really before he became famous for those roles he sort of a notorious experimental playwright and some of his plays pretty dark subject matter he got into and very controversial. So he's um, he it's interesting seeing that side of him, the intellectual side, but you still get all that animation from him. All that is his voice, you know, his, his energy, um, which is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And Andre Gregory's also really passionate um he really loves the little prince i know he really loves like the the book the little prince and he's mm-hmm. really into into theater and yeah it's something where you think okay how long am i going to be able to stay on board with this but you watch it and you're you're into it the whole time and mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not like there's quick cuts to the kitchen or something and there's chaotic kitchen. I don't think there is, but like it's mainly them just talking at, uh, at a dinner and, um, and it's a, it's, it's, it's a movie that um, it's a movie that ha- people have made light of because it is just this one setting. So anybody who's seen waiting for Guffman um, Christopher guest's character in that has my dinner with Andre action figures, that's right (laughs) i think uh it definitely it definitely transcended the its release date and um a lot of people go back to it and i definitely recommend it something a a lot different and one i can say that is truly in one setting Mm -hmm. uh, is my dinner with andre from
0: 1981 um yeah it's been kind of lampooned to death there was like a a gag in the simpsons once where martin's playing the arcade game based on my dinner with andre um (laughs) and then there was an episode of community where uh jeff is trying to get abed to this uh birthday party they're throwing for him this pulp fiction themed birthday party but abed's come to meet him at this restaurant where they're gonna have a my dinner with andre homage it's uh (gasps) oh yeah it's it's kind of been done to death um Okay, so my number two, um, kind of setting the the table, as it were, for Halloween month, uh, Evil Dead. It's so, oh. so successful as a movie set in one place, they remade it almost uh, verbatim with Evil Dead 2. And, uh, and then they remade Evil Dead uh, in 2013. It's the same setting, um, Cabin in yeah. the Woods. And then they made a movie called Cabin in the Woods, which was also kind of essentially set in... Uh, one place, although there's a huge complex under the cabin in the woods um, where all the monsters live and it's a whole bureaucracy anyway. Yeah. Um, but the original evil dead it, it, it works um, The cabin is kind of unremarkable but it's also got this kind of rustic charm. It, it, it's again like, kind of like the convenience store setting in clerks it's like it's it's like you recognize it. It feels like somewhere you might uh, have stayed uh, for the weekend with some friends. like it's just something you could afford in the middle of nowhere, and it's rustic, and uh, it's old, it's dusty. Uh, there's a torture chamber in the basement. I don't know. Um, but it, it is funny how um, the setting becomes a character, largely because Bruce Campbell, to an extent, um, once all his friends are quickly dispatched um he, he ends up having you know ends up being a, a, a kind of one-hander where it's him against the evil dead which is a kind of a force yeah. you never ever see um the evil dead is usually portrayed by the camera itself um mm-hmm. so it's it, it you know it essentially becomes it, well, by nature or just by you know the way Rami directs it um the house has to become a character the house becomes a thing that that Bruce Campbell's Ash has to play off of—it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's sanctuary, but it's also fraught with all these dangers. Um, you know, he can put the various deadites down the the trapdoor into the basement, but that's not necessarily safe. Um, you know, the trees outside are a danger. It's really kind of remarkable what you can do with um, in in a horror movie with sort of the space and mm-hmm. uh, making the surroundings you know it, it, although there's like this evil force like like i said you never see it it's when, when it is being portrayed on screen it's being portrayed by the camera so it, it you know it, it's, it's hard to i mean the reason why a lot of horror movies are successful like friday the 13th halloween and all that you're like you're personifying the evil in a human-like form but evil dead doesn't do that so um you get a man and his hovel Versus danger, and um, all he has is what's around him, what's in the cabin. Although they are may not necessarily be assets, but hey, uh, yeah. a good setting is a good setting, and uh, definitely your cabin in the middle of nowhere is a good setting
1: for sure. Yeah, it's like almost like yeah, it's the spirits are coming after him. It's almost like the wind is like attacking him, or oh yeah, you know, oh, it's yeah. not. It's not a uh, like you said a human form, and yeah, Evil Dead, the first one, yeah, I found more more of like a horror movie, less of a comedy, right? It becomes mm-hmm. more slapstick in the second one, which mm-hmm. second one's like one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Dead by Dawn. I, I remember we rented, my buddies and I rented some movies for Halloween one year, like, and <laughs> I was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And we got Silence of the Lambs, I forget mm-hmm. what the other one was, and Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Mm-hmm. And it was like, VHS, I looked at the back and it said one of the goriest movies of all time. And my mm-hmm. stomach was starting to churn because I'm not really into really <laughs> gory movies. I'm like, I don't want to watch this, guys. I can't watch this. And then we put it on and it was just hilarious, right? Mm-hmm. It's just so slapstick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with, of course, his hand with a mind of its own and mm-hmm. all, it's just It's just hilarious and slapstick. And the first one doesn't, I don't think has as much of that, but it's, it's that it's really does a good job with that one setting and just the horror that takes place. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you watch it closely, there is, it does show it's low budget. Mm -hmm. There's one scene where he hits a spirit or something with a shovel Mm -hmm. and it just collapses. (laughs) It just, (laughs) you can tell it's just like, a dummy or made out of cardboard or something it just collapses still a great movie and i yeah evil dead i'm good selection i probably if i would have thought of it i probably would have selected it so at least um <laughs> i didn't think of it so we don't have overlap here so that's cool.
0: all right well let's get to your number three and maybe we'll have some overlap in number three but you 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 start us off with number three
1: number three for me is rope by alfred mm. hitchcock from 1948 um I saw this not too long ago as well. Uh, I've seen it a f- few times. I know Rear Window to me is probably a better movie, but Rope for One Location, mm. it's it's an amazing film. So it's about two two of these well, well-to-do young professionals. They had gone to prep school together, and they want to just commit the perfect murder mm. and see they think they can just murder somebody randomly and get away with it. So they strangle their former prep school classmate, hide, hide him in their Manhattan apartment Mm -hmm. and then throw a dinner party.
0: (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. nothing has happened. Yeah.
1: And just like rear window star of this movie, one of the stars, definitely the star is Jimmy Stewart Mm -hmm. and he's their old, Headmaster from the prep school, he comes and he starts asking questions, and it's classic Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. curiosity. Oh, well, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. I've never tried it before. Um, yeah, so he's just asking, just asking questions and, you know, playing dumb. Uh, and it's just classic Jimmy Stewart. And you just, it's all in the one location, the dinner party and conversations about life philosophy, all this stuff. But then it gets down to, okay, where did this person disappear to? Where are they right now? And, uh, it's really tense. Um, Mm. because classic Hitchcock, you, you kind of, you kind of root for the bad guys too. You're like, okay, can they get away with um, then you've got your moral side where you're like, well, this was a heinous crime. They should be caught. Um, there's all these conflicts going on, which is, you know, really classic Hitchcock and, and yeah, it's just, uh, just a brilliant movie. And, um, apparently the story is by Hume Cronin, the famous Canadian actor and, mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he came up with a story for it and he's acted in a lot of Hitchcock films. Um, but it's just You you, you probably figure, okay, somebody's going to figure this out eventually. But they've done, you know, a commendable job killing somebody and hiding them. (laughs) You know, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, wow, that's well done. I don't think I don't think anybody's going to to find this person. But it's yeah, it's just that intent. It's like a thriller in a classic Hitchcock sense where you know what has happened. It's Mm -hmm. just, will anybody find out or what are the consequences going to be from this? So, Mm -hmm. um, I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's just one setting, you know, just, I forget the running time for it, but it's not that long and it's just, uh, yeah, it's an amazing movie. So I check out rope going back, going Mm -hmm. back like 65 years, 1948, but it's definitely an awesome movie in one setting.
0: Yeah, also Hitchcock tried to do it like all in one shot too. It's like one continuous shot. Obviously, they didn't shoot like, uh, I think it's like 90 minutes long. But um, it, it, it is kind of like a, an interesting early attempt to technically to do a movie all in one, sort of in one continuous take. Um, and I would recommend it too. It almost made my list. But um, for my third pick, I went with the Rodrigo Cartes picture buried which came out in 2012 i think um interestingly cartez uh was a producer on a film that came out a couple of years ago called grand piano which also predominantly took place in one setting it's elijah wood as a as a pianist who um there's a sniper who has him uh in his scope as he's playing the piano and if he plays one wrong note the sniper will kill him uh but for buried though a little more I want to say ambitious, even though the setting is very limited as the <laughs> the title implies. It is about a man who's buried alive. It's uh, it's Ryan Reynolds and he's a, a contractor, a civilian contractor in Iraq shortly after the, the um, end of the war there. Uh, and he has been buried and he has um, been left inside this coffin. Uh, presumably underground, we never really see, but I mean, uh, at one point, uh, it is pretty apparent he's underground, but, you know, at the beginning, you're not so sure, like, is somebody playing a trick on him? But he's buried with a flashlight, a lighter, a Blackberry, um, what else? He has, like, a pocket knife on him, like a little flask of some alcohol on it, um, but he's told that he has to make this video uh, confessing to some crimes of his company, and then release it um and then uh the americans will be told where they can essentially dig him up but he's left uh, essentially uh, the american government tells him that uh this is an act of terrorism the united states doesn't negotiate with terrorists so he's kind of left to his own devices everything he tries to get out of the box ends up failing um it, it seems like uh this is kind of like a I mean, this isn't too long after the Saw movie, so it's, it almost seems like one of these Saw traps where it's like, well, there's, there's no way out, and the only way out is, like, like hurt, incredibly hurtful and terrifying. Um, but it is entirely inside this box, which you would think is kind of limiting. And in a way, it is, but it's also interesting. Uh, it's claustrophobic if you've, you're sort of particularly susceptible to that uh kind of thing um it it's it's kind of uh gets under your skin um and it is ryan reynolds doing some actually impressive acting he doesn't do a lot of acting anymore like capital a acting he's kind of does everything as ryan reynolds uh (laughs) the the ryan reynolds (laughs) trademark shtick so
1: the attitude capital a attitude acting right
0: capital a attitude that's right (laughs) so it's an interesting sort of relic in that regard too. It's like, Hey, remember Ryan Reynolds can also act and not just play Ryan Reynolds or Deadpool or whatever. So that was the one I chose last. Um, so I think we put together a pretty good lineup here and you're right. It is kind of hard. Like at what point does a movie stop taking place in one setting? Um, Cause one of the things I, I was playing with is like, well, you know what? You could put the matrix on this list because technically there's two settings. There's when Neo is like plugged in as like one of the batteries into the machines Mm -hmm. and then when he's freed everything else takes place on the nebuchadnezzar and yeah they go into the matrix but what is the matrix it's a computer program they technically physically never leave the nebuchadnezzar so you could say you could say it takes place all in one setting the mind oh and you you could say that for inception too yeah the crime is in your mind anyway (laughs) for another show uh, that's for another show inside your mind movies yeah i've also made a note of like disturbing scenes we can that could be a list sometime in the near future um yeah halloween is coming (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna talk about sex and sex comedies (laughs) Uh, we're going to review. Good luck to you, Leo Grande. You were listening to End Credits here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Wealth Campus and Community Radio. Oh, Honey, I you be there to believe me. The love you give to me will free me. If you don't know the things you're dealing, ooh, I can't tell you, darling, that it's sexual feeling. Get up,
1: get up, get up, get up, let's make love tonight. Ooh. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Cause we do it right. Get up, wake get up, up, get up, get up, get up,
0: let's make love tonight. Ooh. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Cause we do it right.
1: So I've made a list of things that I'd like to get through. Oh, that
0: sounds sexy.
1: Don't mock me, I'm a teacher. Old habits die
0: hard. What's first on the list?
1: Number one, uh, I perform oral sex on you. Number two, you perform oral sex on me. Number three, we do a 69, if that's what it's still called. I don't know. Um, four, me on top. Five, doggy style. Well, that all sounds very achievable. Oh, does it? Oh, good. Good, because I I, sorry, I have no frame of reference. I've tried
0: um, looking on the internet, but it's alarming, frankly. I mean, if you type in classy porn to Google, i pop 12 windows of erections. I mean, there's no build-up at all. Have I booked enough time? And that was a clip from Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. It's a new film from Sophie Hyde, and it stars essentially emma thompson and daryl mccormick so at least one of those people you've probably never heard of and i bet you it's daryl mccormick who has a pretty thin resume um but i think that might change um because uh he's really good here and emma thompson is really good too and you know we kind of joke it's like a sex comedy and it 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 definitely is but i mean it's also about you know, uh, sex positivity, body positivity, uh, aging, ageism, intimacy, um, you know, regret, (laughs) Mm um, sexual, sexual politics. And it's, it's entirely in this one hotel, almost entirely with the exception of maybe five minutes in this hotel room. Um, and these two people talking to each other.
1: Yeah. It's really intimate setting and yeah, Sex comedy, if you go in thinking sex comedy and you're thinking of American Pie or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're going to be disappointed. So I don't know if sex comedy is really the, 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 I know it's how it is on Wikipedia and maybe on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff it's described, but it's more just, it's, yeah, it's like this intimate story with some comedic elements sort Mm -hmm. of just some uncomfortable comedic elements because the lead in it is uncomfortable, especially at the start talking Mm -hmm. about her sex life and why she's actually contacted the sex worker in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a bit uncomfortable talking about that. And that leads to some comedic moments, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a real sort of intimate story about Emma Thompson, who plays Nancy Stokes or, retired religious education teacher and sort of her unfulfilled sex life that she's had with her husband for years and how she wants to break out of that and see what she's been missing. And she (laughs) hires uh, Daryl McCormick, whose pseudonym is Leo Grande. It's not his real name. And he's a sex worker that she finds online. And he's just this really kind, patient sort of like Zen-like character who's Mm -hmm. just there to listen we don't have to do this today or we don't have to do this all at once. Or what, what would you like? And very understanding. Um, mm. so it's, it's very interesting movie because it's sex positive, but it's not mm. in your face sex. Mm. I think at the end, they spoiler alert, they get to some, some sex <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> spoiler alert. There is
1: sex. Yeah. They have, yeah. It's, you know, more at the end, uh, that there's a lot more happening like mm-hmm. during sort of almost like a montage scene in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, it, yeah, it's just conversations, you know, mm-hmm. and really great job of it being like a two hander where it's just about listening and the conversation. So mm-hmm. great acting from that standpoint. And the characters are just, you know, sensitive people, flawed people who trying to, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get some happiness out of out of life, and Nancy Stokes out of her sex life, and then as mm-hmm. we learn more about Leo Grande, how he's has a little bit of a uh, some family issues, and he hasn't told his family what he does for a living, and
0: mm, he's an oil rig worker.
1: Yeah, he said. Yeah, he <laughs> makes up the lie that he works on an oil rig, right? And. <laughs> his brother doesn't buy it, but hopefully his parents do or, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's really about, you know, just being, being exposed in a, a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. obviously there'd be probably like critical feedback about the risks that Emma Thompson takes or the bravery she has for exposing her, herself so much in the dialogue and also being nude in the, in the film as well. And mm-hmm. Daryl McCormick, um. yeah just they're just sort of like being open and exposing themselves like emotionally and yeah yeah it's great and then there are our, our laughs because she's so awkward right in her requests mm-hmm. that you, you can't help but laugh at, and and you're intended intended to laugh there's just a lot of awkwardness and
0: yeah, because she's so clinical about you know she in their second meeting, she's like, <laughs> I actually went and made a list of the things I want to do. And and he's like, Okay, great. And <laughs> she, she she reads the list. And again, it's just yeah. so clinical and you know, th- there there's kind of this underpinning of um I guess this friction of you know, I I guess it's between Old-fashioned ideas, and and sort of like the new openness, um, you know, think you know about like sexual fluidity and and just like going with the flow, and, and you know th- these this, the whole idea of these like two different worlds. Of course, she's a teacher too, so she's used to like making lists and checking them off, and like this is how you know you've accomplished something is if you, you know, you get three out of five or you get four out of yeah. five, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it's it's just it's just a completely different mode for her. And a lot of th- what I appreciated was um, she, she's obviously feels very skittish about this, not just because she's quote unquote old school, but because she was like a religious education teacher. And I guess part of that was, you know, having to explain to the young people, the evils of promiscuity. And she has this whole monologue about how, like, as she was a teacher, like, Uh, Over time, the the skirts on the girls kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter. (laughs) um, So, you know, it's also a fight against, you know, the the dogma. She's, like, embracing something about herself that, or or something that she wants after, like, spending years telling young people that they shouldn't want this. Mm -hmm. Um so there's a bit of like hip like she feels like a hypocrite and so she's just having to get over herself and and leo leo grande uh says something very insightful is like well you know what you you did the hardest part which was like actually booking me um because you probably thought about it for you know (laughs) days beforehand and you know even that like accepting of like that small step is like you you knew you wanted something everything inside you was saying you shouldn't want it but then you decided that you would follow through with your desire and actually do something which is the hardest step and it's all kind of downhill from there which is surprisingly in you know it's kind of rote but it's also kind of very insightful as well that you know a lot of us have ideas about things we want it very rarely do we like it's more likely we make up excuses not to follow them than actually following them. And the movie is actually not so so much a tribute to sex and sex positivity, but, you know, accepting who you are and accepting that it's okay to want things and it's okay to talk to people about the things you want.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, it's more like he's more like a psychologist, especially at the beginning. Right. When he comes in, And she's able to open up to him and talk. And then it becomes sort of a a mutual thing later where he's sort of talking to her, although he doesn't really want to open up because his whole thing is Mm -hmm. it's, this is like a little bit of a, it's a performance form. It's that's, Mm -hmm. he has this, Mm -hmm. you know, pseudonym and he he doesn't, she's done some internet research to find out his real name and stuff. And that Mm -hmm. really, that crosses a line for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like like what you're saying. She's she, yeah, she's just trying to come to terms with with this. And yeah, it's got to be tough being a religious teacher for all those years, and then realizing actually, I w- I want this in my own life. And I've been I've deprived myself of something in my own life. Um, hmm. And I've I've been telling others what to do right and when I shouldn't have. And you know, there's. I think, yeah, in, in that hotel room, there's a lot of great, a lot of great scenes to really dig deep into the psychology for both of them. Mm. And then, of course, there is that one shorter scene where she's uh, like in the restaurant of the hotel and the waitress is one of her former students. So mm-hmm. she comes to terms with that. Um comes to terms with that makes an apology for for what she had said about the short dresses and 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 shaming uh, her students so yeah that, that was a bit a bit obvious though i think but like
0: yeah it was that, i was gonna say oh, go that scene, well just that, that that scene doesn't entirely work for me because it just it goes down so predictably but you know she tells the, the the former student like oh this is the sex worker i've hired and and you know it's just like yeah that's a, it's a little pad. It's a little on the nose. Um, <laughs> although, <Yeah. laughs> there's a, the, I, the one part about it, like where the waitress recognizes her and, and Nancy doesn't rec- recognize the waitress and, um, waitress is like well you know you taught me this and 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 nancy goes oh well you must not learn you must not have learned very good because you're working here (laughs) and it's just it's just like like, maybe (laughs) there's too much honesty or you know maybe too much like you know kind of work shaming class shaming it's like oh you're a waitress you didn't do anything good with your life and it's like yeah there's a lot of that with um the way she talks about her kids, you know, she talks about her son who's like accomplished and is like working on his PhD and has a steady girlfriend. And she talks about how boring he is. Yeah. And then <laughs> she talks about her daughter who's like living this Bohemian life in Spain, essentially living off like the money of rich parents with these other like it basically sounds like a 60s commune. You know? And you know, she kind of writes her off as like like fleeting as this like sort of flitty creature who's just, you know, um living hand to mouth. um, Although, you know, given the fact that she's now kind of exploring this like sort of physical side of herself, this purely sort of carnal um, sexual desire side of herself, one might think she might have a little more appreciation of her daughter living the life she's essentially describing to Leo. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or perhaps a little more, graciousness to her son who's leading like the the perfectly cis straight normal male vision of what life is like the one essentially she had with her husband she Mm -hmm. might be a little kinder and or might reach out to him and go you know there's kind of more to life than just you know checking boxes even though you know that's essentially what she's chastising herself for doing and it's this fascinating thing where it's like there's kind of no right answer to any of this um there's this idea in, in the film that her marriage was bad because her and her husband didn't have great sex, never had great sex. And there's a a scene where she describes what sex was like between them. on the other hand, they were married for years. And the only reason not to get any is he died. So like Mm -hmm. is passion necessarily a key to longevity? Like what else did they have together as a couple other than, you know a lack of maybe sexual desire or chemistry on the other hand she also describes the scene um when she was a teenager in greece and how um essentially there was a, you know she runs into this uh waiter who who's uh, you know, obviously lives in greece and how he was very forward with her and they were getting very handsy in like this kind of open area late at night in in the hotel when you know they were interrupted and it's like this fleeting encounter that she's kind of compared her life between these two things like the incredibly long and presumably loving relationship she had with her husband even though there was kind of no spice versus this like fleeting encounter and when she's engendered so much as like this is what my life could have been like it, it's a very weird dichotomy
1: Yeah, she's definitely has a lot of regrets and and you make some good points about, you know, she's definitely imperfect. So Mm. I think we as an audience can understand her and how, you know, she she's sort of critical of her children, you know she loves them, but she's critical. (laughs) She's critical of her husband, Mm -hmm. but she probably still loves them. But yeah, it's like, she's not totally likable at the end of the day, really, when you think of it, actually Mm. with what you were saying there, um, but nobody's totally likable. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of, it's good that they um, sort of showed like, still a lot of her hang-ups that she still had and a lot Mm -hmm. of her a lot of way she looked at the sort of like a judgmental thing Mm -hmm. yeah with her Mm -hmm. children right you know and mental towards um
0: yeah there's liberal yeah there's no perfect answers there's no perfect answers there's no perfect people and you know um you know at the end of the movie and perhaps not to spoil anything um you, you know certain objectives are achieved and you know maybe that's a, that's you know sort of enough and that maybe her approach of like maybe just you know i'll check some stuff off a list and you know maybe that's what i need and that, that's kind of like the message it's like it's okay to want things the question is like can you is it, you know, sort of wise or enlightened to live a life of like either or I could have had these things or I could have had uh, this other thing? Um, and what is it or like and can you have both? And like, is it OK if. You know, on the one hand, you have something that's you know not perfect, but it gives you a lot, like gives you maybe an emotional connection Um and you know companionship and then maybe you get this other thing and it's fleeting and maybe having both of those things is okay if you accept that there's sort of limitations to all these things it's not a cry to like we want to have this perfect i mean there is certainly part of that like having this perfect utopian sex positive body positive world um where nobody judges um but on the other hand it, it's also saying you know it's you know right now it's not positive so like what can you get out of it um you know and what are you willing to give up if you know to to in order to achieve certain things and maybe it's okay to make choices and you know maybe it's okay if choices don't turn out 100 percent what you want and it's 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 interesting
1: it is yeah and and like go, going back to our topic from earlier the one setting like mm-hmm. this yeah except for that one scene in the dining room there it takes place in the hotel room, right? Mm-hmm. Basically the whole whole film and just shows the strength of the dialogue, the acting by mm-hmm. Emma Tom- Thompson and this relative newcomer Daryl McCormick mm-hmm. and that they they hold your attention for so long, right? Mm-hmm. Um there's a, a lot of you know titillating sex talk that holds your attention but the, <laughs> when when they're talking about their lives or you know her with her children or him lying about working on an oil rig you're hmm. still still into it and it, you have empathy for the characters which
0: mm-hmm.
1: is you know pretty amazing um to to get that that level of attention throughout the whole film because i didn't feel my attention waning really at any point during it and no yeah it's uh you know a classic two-hander it could have been a stage play maybe it will be adapted at one point to a stage play but mm-hmm. it's
0: um <laughs> a, yeah, musical. It's <laughs> a musical A <laughs> musical <Yeah. gasps> uh yeah the the hotel setting is interesting because i mean there's a like there's a real functionality to a hotel room which is like it's someplace to stay if you're not like at you know it, at home, you know, you're traveling somewhere else, you need somewhere to stay. So there's like a, a real function to it, but you also can't help but think of the illicitness of like meeting strangers in a hotel and hooking up. And, you know, there's that part of it as well, that, you know, there, there, there's a true bland, normal reason for a hotel room to exist, but there's also this sort of like fantastical fantasy element of what other possibilities might exist in a hotel room. So it's an interesting place to sort of set this, set this story where it's all about what is fantasy what is reality you know what can happen what should happen it's it, it's yeah there's a lot of meaning in in sort of everything the the way that the the film is shot it is you know you're, you're you were right it's like it, we call it, we say sex comedy and you know you think of um you know certain expectations that were probably set <laughs> <laughs> when, um, when, it, when you know the Farley brothers and you know American Pie franchise and things like that but you know it is it is so much more than that or perhaps maybe it's reclaiming you know sex comedy as something more than just you know what you stick certain appendages into and whether that's funny or not
1: yeah there was no pie in this movie
0: there was no pie
1: even when in the dining scene but yeah there was yeah
0: there was coffee but it was bad
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She said it was. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's. And it's interesting if you think more deeper into the character too, right? Her Mm -hmm. husband has died. Mm -hmm. Her children are on their own. Mm -hmm. So she could have had the sex worker over at her house, Mm -hmm. but she's decided on a hotel, right? So Mm -hmm. it's a whole different world for her. Um, Yeah, a whole different world where she's you know, she's, she's probably when she first hired, i concerned, you know, like, what's this going to be like, can I trust this person? Mm-hmm. And then the hotel room becomes this sort of like trusting space for them where they can open up to each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah. And it's like, like you said, it's a very boring environment in a lot of ways, a hotel room. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the one place where they can open up to each other and, and she can fulfill her fantasies is in this sort of, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this homogeneous environment, <laughs> like all hotel rooms are basically the same, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and this one looks just like your standard hotel room. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, having worked in a hotel, I can speak to the sameness of all hotel rooms. And that's kind of the point. And this is kind of the end of the show. Unfortunately, that's it for this week. We hope you liked it. And if you want to listen to it again, you can find it on our website, show.com. You can find us on the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the show. Just search for end credits on CFRU in your Spotify app. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook at end credits radio show and on Twitter at end credits radio and Tim, where can people find you on the internet?
1: On the internet, you can find me flashing the deadpan on social media. And, um, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are on, uh, one room settings for movies
0: (laughs) 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 or anything really Um, (laughs) I will be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for news and politics on open sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz in the meantime I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson and you can check out GuelphPolitico.ca my news and politics site you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM CFRU.ca Guelph campus and community radio we shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m for another edition of end credits a spicy edition perhaps and we will see you then